This is the Shift Podcast. On the Shift Daily Podcast, Fraggle Rock is back, baby, and it's being recorded in Canada. It's part of Are You Okay? So is Fake Tuna, or maybe not Fake Tuna. Maybe it's Real Tuna. To be determined. Elijah, our buddy, he rode from Saskatoon to Vancouver. His uh, ride to end the harm is amazing, and you get to hear what it was like when he arrived. When he pulled into Vancouver, there he is, he's done. Now what do you do? I kind of feel it was like Forrest Gump when he decides he's done running. I think I'm going to go home now. But he's got plans. So we talked to Elijah on the podcast too. Lacey Lee Elliott steps in talking cars, road trips, favorite feelings while driving cars and all of that. Plus, in case you missed it on the Shift Daily Podcast. Let us dig into some of our favorite pieces of the uh, the puzzle here and get Maddie to check his uh, his moon dial. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Baby, we got the moon dial and we're going to hit it for the segment. Gonna put the funny filter on it just like they did in the 60s. Okay, we're ready. <laughs> it's a psychedelic Sunday psychedelic. moon Psychedelic. Are you okay? <laughs> Little warble. You know, the warble is underused in music today and processing. It is. Are you okay with Fraggle Rock? I'm I'm okay with pretty much anything Jim Henson, you know, rest in peace, put out. Um, but I didn't, as a kid, get into the Fraggle Rock universe. I'd always been firmly, like, entrenched in the Muppet universe. Sounds like yeah. Else. Well, it should be. Can you imagine how cool that would be? The the Muppet verse, where it's just a whole bunch of connected movies of Muppets and other puppets getting into shenanigans. Count me I like it. right in. I did not watch Fraggle Rock as a kid, though, because I think it went off air uh, 19... Well, it went on air in 87 or late 80s, and I'm not really sure when it ended, but I it wasn't really on any of the shows or channels or reruns, but I'm, I'm, I'm with Matt. Anything puppets, especially Henson, yeah, amazing stuff. 1983, it officially yep. started on, on the TV, and uh, it looks like it ran, it did run in the States, it ran in Canada. Uh, dun, dun, dun. There's the new one, uh, which is coming. So um, let's get into the details here. Uh, filmed in Toronto. The new one has sounded like this. This is kind of the theme. Might, this might bring up. Shake out the cobwebs. All right, so Fraggle Rock, that was the theme song, and uh, if you if that's not enough for you, there's a couple of pieces of it. There was the Fraggles, and then there was the Doozers. Um, the Doozers were the workers. It was like the slave labor of the Fraggles, which I don't know if oh. it's, in today's world if they're allowed to have. But the Doozers, that's what they did. That's they were the Doozers. They 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 do things anyway. Here's a little clip from the Fraggles. Yes, Chief. You know I can't recognize you with that helmet on. Oh. 
So it, I wish I grew it up continued with that. to air in different places. In 1987, it ended on HBO, which was one of the founders of it. And then it continued on with some Disney stuff. And so it, it wasn't quite the same after it lost its mainstream thing. But there was the Bells of Fraggle Rock, which was like the Christmas version. Um, that was kind of cool. Um, there was also the, um, I, w- I forgot to tell you about this, the Gorgs, Ryan. I, I should have asked you to get some audio from the Gorgs. Um because the the Gorgs are the they were the it was like the side storyline, okay. um, that was happening, if I remember, um, alongside of Fraggle Rock. It was it was the strangest thing, and I don't even remember it making really any sense. But it had this side storyline of what the Fraggles were doing back in the day. It might bring up some memories for people. All right. They were like these giants. Now in session. The Right Honorable Judge Daddy Call the first case. The Gorgs. <laughs> so they would, they would, they were doing like the when the Fraggles would get in trouble, they would decide the fate of the Fraggles. It was the strangest. The Fraggles would be in a cage. It was weird. Um, can we get the other clip from the Fraggles that you got there, Maddie? <laughs> it's me, Gobo. Oh, oh, of course it's you, Gobo. <clears throat> uh, now let me tell you about this slide stun I made up. It is fantastic. You were scared, weren't you? Me? Scared? Oh, let me tell you about this slide stun. Okay, okay. But first, cover your eyes. Now what? Dark, isn't it? <laughs> oh, how can I fall for that? <clears throat> yeah, how could you? How could you? It was originally shot in Toronto, and there is a new version which has already started production in Calgary. So Canadian connection to the new Fraggle Rock. All the kids, Ryan, the ones that didn't grow up with it, they have a chance to get in on the Fraggles. Are you I'm going to okay? watch it. Yeah. You'll love it. Maybe they'll be Fraggle Lego. <gasps> Are you okay? <laughs> or Fraggle Sneakers. <laughs> Fraggle sneakers. Are you okay with tuna? Uh, not not particularly. I think it's you know really it smells gross. It tastes really bad. Um, so it's safe to say that I'm not on Team Tuna. I I'll, although I do love. There's a reality show called Wicked Tuna that follows these show. these tuna fishermen. Yeah, um, like around the Gloucester, Massachusetts area, and they just. They compete to get like the top dollar, you know, biggest, best quality tuna, and it's uh, it's amazing. Imagine being a tuna and you get caught, and then they do the sample of your tuna meat, and then you're they're like, yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> the giant like, bluefin tuna. Mm-hmm. That's mm. the good stuff right. right there. That's the stuff that sells. That's the holy oh. grail. So this weekend there has been this whole controversy that is blown up around tuna, and we're going to be clear here because Subway says. No way. And there's people online complaining. So I'm cautious here because I don't want to contribute to cancel culture. But this is becoming a news story. And we're going to hear about it this week. So I just want to be clear. We'll sort of share both sides of it as best it is. This is the clip from Fox about it. 
Two California women filed a lawsuit saying they ordered the tuna sandwich from subway locations close to their home as recently as last year. Court papers say independent testing shows the products are made from anything but tuna and are instead a mixture of various concoctions that have been blended together to imitate the appearance of tuna. A subway spokesperson says the claims are baseless, they're frivolous, and the tuna is one of the most popular menu items. The women are seeking Five million dollars. We'll let you know if that gets anywhere. Hmm. Five million bucks. Hmm. Five million. I like bucks. Subway tuna. I think Quiznos is far superior to Subway personally, but Subway tuna is not bad. It well, Quiznos like did tuna. toast the sandwiches, right? And then they kept on mm-hmm. with the toasting, and then Subway brought in the toasting, so they were on to something. So the complaint is just two people. They filed a lawsuit. That's it, and it's taken fire on the internet. Now, just because they say it's so doesn't mean it's so, but maybe it is. So it's sort of with a blank nothingness that I listen to this story. Complaint does not specify what the lab test revealed or what the tuna is, air quotes, actually made of. Subway has denied the claims, telling the DailyMail.com that the tuna is real from fish caught in the wild. Subway representative told Daily Mail these claims are meritless. So we will see which way it goes. But it does, to me, raise the question about filler in foods. In some of those blended things that you don't really know what's there, what are some of the fillers? I mean, there has been all kinds of restaurants that have been hammered for different kinds of fillers and super processing on the foods. So we could dig into uh, fillers and foods probably for conversation for a long, a long turn. That'll be That's a great, sure. uh, a whole lot of places to talk about. That's the that's the interesting part of that story, right? Yeah. Everywhere you be go. Interesting. See where it goes. Uh, let's do one more quickly here on Are You Okay? Are you okay with goats? Uh, yeah, especially when they're like, uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to advocate sacrifice. But, you know, if you draw a pentagram on the ground and you Heavy like, metal. you get like a goat and never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Go, I agree. Goats are great. And you should check out the video game Goat Simulator where you just play as a goat and try to destroy a town by running around and breaking it. It's... <laughs> legendary it's incredible nice. but in real life goats are cool too they are a very jumpy bunch and i have a, mm-hmm. some friends that they their farm family and they moved back out got their own farm and they got some goats and they had to deal with the goats differently because they kept wrecking the hood of the cars because the goats jump on things and they were just sort of running really willy-nilly around the house and not inside outside and but they were they would come out in the morning and the goats would be standing on the vehicles so they were these dense in the vehicles um, a farm in UK has found a way to spice up your Zoom meetings with special celebrity appearances. Cronkshaw Fold Farm in the Alden Valley has hired out their goats to take part in Zoom calls. Dot McCarthy, uh, McCarthy, uh, 30, farmer at Cronkshaw Fold is the brains behind the whole operation. She told Like Live that the uh, random idea came to her because she knew people like goats and they're naturally curious animals. So they'll stare at a camera and skip about. Baby goats are amazing. I've milked a goat once. Side story was sober too so let's meet the some of the goats susan normally uh, known as shaken susan uh the goat has been through uh the wars after having one of her horns removed in 2019 she's a bit of a hipster she likes to daydream (laughs) her bio is like swipe left swipe right then there's terrence all bios uh the website describes him as calm and sweet young goat this is the shift podcast on friday Elijah Pitscalny finished his bike ride from Saskatoon to Vancouver. This is my conversation uh, that I pre-recorded when he finished it with Elijah. 
downtown Vancouver, short trip for you today because you wanted to make sure you made it on time. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what was it like to arrive? What did you see when you got to downtown Vancouver, and uh, what did it feel like? Uh, there's a good mix of emotions. I mean, I rode down Hastings, uh, and of course, certain portions of Hastings and Vancouver is well known for some of the issues, um, some of the very big issues that which I'm riding for. So um, that was one part of the roller coaster. And then when I got to Canada Place, there were were a few people, of course, um, pandemic-wise, there were not very many, um, just a few mothers and uh, a few media. And yeah, it was exciting. I had, you know, like seven people clapping and I was like, wow, this feels great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. So, okay, so you've arrived. Uh, your total fundraising goal as of this conversation, which is Friday afternoon, is $23,314. That is about 15% higher than you had hoped even. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty remarkable. What's the plan now? Well, uh, the plan, I, I don't know. I suppose the plan on the grand scheme of things, I hope this has reached out to enough people to take on their own version you know, of outreach and advocacy. I hope this message continues to be discussed you know this should be a normal discussion around dinner even you know you just start talking about issues in the world you know drug policies should be up there with environmental issues so i hope you know this this has helped inspire some people to to rediscuss these issues as for me personally i'm get rid of this sign that i'm carrying and uh, otherwise it will look no different wow and the money is going to specifically um, Canadian Drug Policy Coalition and Mums Stop the Harm. Is that the plan? That is the plan, yeah. So it'll be split evenly between the two. And uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting for both of them um, because they just tackle this issue differently. So I'm, I'm excited because Mums Stop the Harm is a big part of it is, is advocacy, outreach, awareness. Um, so to me, that's a really, really critical issue. Uh, of course, we also need to have policies in place when other people are, are ready for it. Um, but right now, a lot of people just aren't ready for it. I mean, culturally, things have been sort of stuck with stigma for quite a few decades. So a big part of this is just getting people all around Canada and ideally the world, a lot of countries to just rethink about how our, our current policies, this, you know, war on drugs, quote unquote, war on drugs, has just been a, a pretty big failure for, for, for quite a few years. Hmm. Well, congratulations, Elijah. Um, it's amazing to hear that you go all the way from Saskatoon to Vancouver through the snow into the wind. <laughs> if you had to pick one of the hardest parts, least favorite, call it what you want, what do you think that is? And if you had to pick one of your favorite moments, uh, which would that be? Hardest? Definitely the prairies, day after day. That's the hardest. Um I think any one of those days could have been considered <laughs> the hardest. Maybe day day two or three, because you're just so early in, and the prairie winds are, we, at the time, still quite cold. I mean, it was like minus five or minus six, but with the wind, it's very quickly minus 15, minus 16. Uh, and you just know you have so much ahead of you. And then everywhere you look is the same, <laughs> same look. So that's the hardest. But the best was... When weather was actually quite nice uh, out in the mountains, as soon as I hit the mountains, basically every every day was the best part. I would just continuously smile and laugh to myself, thinking, "Wow, 
here I am in the mountains in January living on my bike. This is the best. Yeah. Beautiful. So the question that everyone else is going to ask me as soon as we're done is what is Elijah going to do next? So you're there, you're downtown Vancouver. It's Friday afternoon. And, um, it, I, for me, it'd be a shower, right? Uh, that's where I would go, but what's up for you? Yeah. So for me this evening, that is also going to be the case. The shower and some laundry is, is far overdue. Um, so after that, I will head to the island in a few days, and uh, I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen from there. I sort of just trust my gut, follow my nose, see where it goes. I know that there's lots of projects I'm interested in, uh, whether it's music or outreach, educational outreach, or or maybe continuing a process like this uh, regarding drug policies. I'm not really sure. I just know that when I get to the island, whichever one I feel is right, I'll just go for it. Nice. What are you going to do for life now? Are you going to just go on more tours and keep riding? Ideally, yeah. I want to see how long I can do this. I want to see if I can... Uh, oh, mate. Sorry, you're hearing uh, Canada oh, place. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to I want to see how long I can do this. Just this strange cycling vagabond life. I mean, if I can sell soap or bake bread, both things I've done for many years, or if I can, you know, do random odd jobs here and there, picking fruit, then I will continue cycling and living my tent until I change my mind, I suppose. It's pretty yeah. simple. So where, what, what's on the hit list? If you could give us sort of a top three places to get to, what, what would you imagine where you would go? Oh, the ideal is head south as soon as I can. Um, I've been uh, pretty obsessed with Spanish for, for two years now, and I've just been just been itching to to be able to use it so first things first mexico because that's geographically next and then beyond keep cycling south that's the dream wow i don't think i've ever met anybody who said i want to ride my bike to mexico (laughs) Uh, well you now know at least one of them i'm not the only one i'm sure of it so so amazing elijah we have an invitation for you oh yeah um we uh, we would like you to just still be a friend of the show. I think we'd like to check in. Um, you're so smart. You're so unique. You're so driven and 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 you know sort of present and passionate. I think we would love to just check in and and find out where kind of like where's Waldo with Elijah, if that's cool with you. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I would love to. I'm really honored. Uh, our vagabond friend, and um, and I will finish by saying, you know, we have secured starting at airtime, starting tomorrow night, some of our conversation about opioids and the harm that comes with the system mm-hmm. is uh, is quite remarkable. And um, here, I've already recorded the conversation that everyone else is going to hear tomorrow. I recorded it a couple of days before this. And I can tell you this, here's what you've inspired with me. You have not only inspired me um, with your actions and your fundraising, the conversation that came next and the conversation that I recorded um, has completely changed my perspective on drugs and how we deal with drugs. And that's just mm-hmm. me and, and nobody else has heard it yet. So I just want you to know that even with me, you've already made a difference with our team. I can speak for Ryan and Matt and Jason. You've already made a difference. And um, this conversation will continue to roll out. And uh, I assure you, based on what we've done and heard so far, it's going to make a big difference. 
that's that's really exciting. That that really means a lot. It really does. And I think to me, it's this sort of individual recognition that that means a lot to to hear at least one person's story. No, that made me rethink things, and and so that I'm really, really, really happy to hear. Well, I just want you to know that's how powerful you are. It's, that's the, the power of the mind. And, and it is leg, right. I got lots of and a lot of peanut butter. <laughs> Elijah, <laughs> enjoy your shower, enjoy your visit, and uh, fire me a text when you get settled in into your camp on the island. Awesome, will do. Thanks so much for everything. If you want to check it out before it's done, because it looks like it still is alive, is his um, GoFundMe, GoFundMe.com, Cycle to Stop the Harm, $24,850. It looks like the Donate Now button is still there again. That goes to the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition and Moms to Stop the Harm. So that is a um, that is a big opportunity for you. Now, the thing I think that we've learned about Elijah is that his – like he's all about meditation and focus and there's a lot to be learned uh, for these. So uh, what he's done now, he's got some press out of this now, which is cool. And he was, I don't know if you saw his Twitter, uh, if you followed him, Elijah P um, he, um, he posted this very funny note. He was at a, it looks like a shell gas station and he superimposed, he scribbled over the logo and drew a peanut because he's been powered by peanut butter, right? High calorie <laughs> on this journey. And uh, the the price is one thirty six point nine, and then even below it, it was like the Shell Power or whatever they their marketing thing is on the bottom of the signs. And he scribbled it out and he put PB Power. And he was he shared with me off the air that um, while he was doing that sign, he thought it was really funny. <laughs> I think it's really funny. Um, he was like, "Wow, the price of peanut butter's really gone up." But somebody stopped him and said, "Oh, you're the bike guy from the radio." That was really? riding his bike. Nice. When he was so doing cool. that. Yeah. So whomever that shift head was, uh, or whoever, I guess would be proper grammar, whoever that shift head was, uh, who did that, um, thank you for doing that. If anybody saw him and honked on the way, uh, pretty awesome too. And he made it. He did it. It's the Shift Podcast. Lacey Lee Elliott. Cars, road trips, and more. Back on the program, I have to uh, I have to hold you accountable, Lacey Lee. There was a little Definitely. moment on your story Hi, that involved a very loud ride? singing of Barbie Girl. Jump in. I'm a Barbie girl in the Barbie world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Imagination, life is your creation. On Instagram with some friends. No, that was not me at all. I think you're thinking of someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Is that it? That's how we're approaching it? Pretend it didn't happen? Right? Yeah, no. Uh, Guilty pleasure. Girls girls trip going out for some fun. And I don't know, Barbie Barbie girl comes on. What else can a girl do but sing? (laughs) It was fun. How are you? I am fabulous. Like I said, I took a road trip yesterday, hung out with some friends and got out and escaped, I guess, life for a little bit. And now back at it, we were just joking. I thought today was Monday and it is not Monday. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're recording this on a Sunday. 
So if that, if that in a nutshell probably explains how the last couple of days have been for me, but you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm doing good. A little I'm bit of a good. fog. Um, so Lacey Lee writes about cars, writes about road trips, um, all kinds of uh, real life stuff. Let's just give everybody sort of the Instagram and the website now so everyone can check it out if they're interested and we'll remind everybody at the end. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, a real simple way to find me, go to Google, type in Lacey Lee Elliott, two L's, two T's. You've got my Instagram, my YouTube channel, Facebook, all my social media platforms. And it's basically, like you said, my life, the cars I drive, my RV adventures, uh, my dog Jasper. I is probably people ask me probably more about Jasper than they do about anything else. Mm-hmm. And just my life on the road that I've been blessed to have and experience the last, oh, 15 years now. Yeah, it's been a lot of writing. So let's, can we talk about Kia cars? Um, every time I see a Kia, my kids ask me, whoa, what is that? And now my kids are 14 and 15. My son's about to turn 16 and start driving. And the the reality is, is that these cars are, very flashy. Um, the SUVs have really caught on. Um, you've spent a little bit of time with this car. I remember when they first came out with those tiny little SUVs that were like a hamster and then they rusted and rotted out so fast. Um, but they're not that car anymore at all. I mean, they're, that's a pretty fantastic little thing they got going there. Well, and you know, it, it is. And I recently did a YouTube video where I started off, I had driven the the all new Kia Sorento, and I started off saying, "I love this vehicle. It's fantastic. It's incredible." And I kind of paused because I said, "What I know for most of my viewers on my YouTube channel, they were probably thinking this lady is crazy. Um, this is a Kia because Kia as a brand was." synonymous when you and I were growing up and probably most of your listeners as being a kind of a cheap, basic, bland vehicle. But I talk about, you know, changing and everything going on in the world with COVID and things changing. Obviously, Kia, if they wanted to stay in business, if they wanted to keep current and alive and selling cars, they had to make some changes. And I think more than just about any other manufacturer out there, that's what they had to do. They had to make changes to make vehicles that people wanted. And they now have vehicles across their lineup that are unique. They're fun to drive. They offer a lot of value. And I think you mentioned your kids. They look good. Like the Kia Stinger. Stinger. If you see the Stinger on the road, it's sexy it's, it's badass. sexy i was just gonna say it's a totally a sexy car and um i don't know if the trust is there yet but then you see one and you're like yeah that's a sexy car it looks good it really does um you i think you kind of nailed it like the trust is is not there but it's changing and what's interesting with the stinger the kind of benchmark car for them and i think it was one of the head designers came from bmw the benchmark car was the bmw 3 series so You kind of say that and people are like, what, Kia, BMW, but you're getting into a vehicle that is is based off a car like that, but offers is something that's more affordable. So it offers, you know, a lot of people that would maybe like to spend a lot more money because they want the power. They want something that drives a little bit nicer. Don't they don't have the money to spend. And I think people are being a lot smarter with their money. Um, You can get into the uh, the V6 for like Mm $45,000 and it's a sports car and you can get all wheel drive. Um, I mean, and what, what's not to love about that? 
I, I think the big thing with Kia people talk about resale value. Definitely. I mean, it's not like getting into something like a Honda or a Toyota, but you're going to be getting a lot of things with the Kia brand for a better price. Uh, like the, let's go back to the Sorento, for example, it's loaded, like absolutely loaded. You've got heated seats for front and back. You've got cooled seats in the back. Everything's automated with push button to fold all the seats down and you're getting into it for a better price. So if you're a family, for example, looking to get into a vehicle and you want like the bells and whistles, all the safety features, um, all wheel drive, which, you know, most parents do like you, you, you get all of that. And it's something you can get into now. And again, maybe not be worried about what you're going to do with this vehicle in a couple of years, because you get so much value in it today when you purchase it. It is quite remarkable. And I've heard that statement before, uh, that there are a couple of car companies that are battling to be the stepping stone to BMW. And I've, I've only ever heard it with BMW. I've never heard it with Merck. I've never heard it with anything else. I've only heard it to BMW that Mazda and Kia are the two companies that are full on stepping in to be, we realize that two or three cars from now, you're probably going to be stepping into a BMW. We want to be the ones that get you there because they're going to get two or three cars out of it. And if you don't make it there if financially, you're going to love ours. And, yeah, and, and, and that is the truth. Approach. That is the truth. And I mean, I, I joked with the stinger. I feel like if people could get into the stinger and drive it with their eyes closed, like yeah. impossible. But if you could get into that car and drive it with your eyes closed, you would be blown away, like absolutely blown away with how well it drives. Well, GM did that. They did an ad campaign a bunch of years ago where they took all the badging off the car when they released some, some of their cars. Right. And they were like, drive it. Yeah. There was no badging. You drive it. And you, then you tell us if you love it. And then by the way, it's a Chevy. I don't know if that was the best sort of approach in the long run of, by the way, it's, it's a Chevy, but, um, the, uh, but to, to your point and the premise of it all, but you talked about your YouTube video. I want to touch on that because from the world of, I mean, you're a writer, you write about cars, you have a love affair with cars. In, in this new world of YouTube videos and all the things that you and I've seen through our careers, have you realized that you love cars most or do you love the adventure that you find in a car most? That is a very good question. Um, and, you know, I think what's interesting is I've always said that cars, I love cars, but they don't get me out of bed in the morning. Like I'm not getting out of bed for a hunk of metal, right? And so for me, it's always been what's going to happen when you get behind the wheel, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, everybody knows this, like we talked about this the other week about the, the feeling of freedom. And I think that's the thing, automotive, whether it's a truck or a sport car or any of these things, like it's, it's what is this vehicle doing for you? What purpose does it have? Like, again, you know, you talk about a family. I mean, this might be a family vehicle that's going to be taking your family on road trips or birthday parties or, you know, living life. And that to me is really what gets me excited about the vehicles. And, you know, I was excited to be talking with you because as much as over my career, it's important to know about horsepower, torque, steering, et cetera, et cetera. Most people aren't buying cars for that reason. They're getting into a vehicle because they have a need or a want or desire. 
And that's what's always got me excited about doing what I do. Um, you know, yesterday, again, I took a road trip. I had the gladiator, which we talked about before, went out and did some off-roading. I'm looking forward to having something in the summer with a convertible to be able to go out and get some fresh air. And that's, yeah, it's just, it's the adventure of being behind that wheel, being in control and not really knowing what direction you're going to go necessarily. There are only a couple of cars that really... I've ever gotten in to just drive them where I'm like, I'm going to go for a drive right now. There's only a couple like for me and Aston Martin, those? the 2007 uh-huh. Aston Martin Vantage V8, six speed manual. It was kind of Aston Martin had this, this era of about three or four years where they flipped to uh, paddles on the automatic slash manual with paddles and yeah. it, um, and it was clunky. Um, and I think they went too soon. And the, um, but the manual Vantage V8, driving that car, how it sounds, how it feels, is something where you'll be sitting here like this, chatting with a friend, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go for a drive. And you, it doesn't matter where you go. You will just enjoy the drive. Other cars like that include like a 73, like the old 911s, 73, 78, <laughs> like those cars. Like if you feel that little car, because they're so small, you don't realize how small they are till you get in them. Um, but then you get in that car and you just turn a corner and you're like, it's like rails on a train. Like it's yeah. amazing. And so there or there are only a couple of cars that you really get that experience with. So I like to honor that part, but really it is about the journey where you're going. What story do you get to, to discover when you go? Well, it, it really, really is. And people are buying cars for different reasons and we're seeing that and it's emotional. And I'm really appreciating some of with, you know, like, like, let's talk about like social media versus some of the actual commercials and marketing. I love that a lot of companies are embracing this, that they're asking real people about their cars, because, you know, it's one thing for me to aspire to own, you know, an Aston Martin, but at the end of the day to, to get into a vehicle, what is it that lights me up? What is it that gets me excited? What do I need this for? And I mean, I know if we all stop for a minute and think back to growing up, think back to our experiences, you remember adventures or trips that you had in your family car or, you know, for you, like the cars that you dream of, like I, my favorite car is the Mazda MX-5, the Miata. Mm -hmm. And I still remember the first time I saw the little, little Miata with the pop-up headlights. I mean, I was probably... 10 I don't, yeah. I know I don't even honestly know but I was like oh my gosh that's that is the coolest looking car ever like when yeah. I get older that's the car I want to drive you're right and that that car comes up for me because the the the, the manual shifter knob was so small it felt like a video game <laughs> yeah. um but it, and you're right that is one of those experiential cars my I've had two friends have them both times driving them it's unbelievable and I get why there's Miata clubs and the only other thing, well, for me though, I've got short legs and long body and I'm over six feet tall. So in a Miata, I have to look over the windshield. So yeah, you get bugs. Which is not get, the best. Well, you get bugs in the forehead. And it's so in order to drive it, I actually have to sit up tall and sit over the windshield. Otherwise, the windshield level's right there. And say my buddy had a Viper. Like a Viper was too much work. The the old the old Vipers, there were all basically cables, right? It was horsepower and cables, and it was too much work. Like driving that car was fun and the horsepower was stupid and it sounded amazing, but it was just you drove it and you were exhausted. Like it wasn't the same experience. So yeah, it's amazing. But you know, some people love that. 
on it. You know, some people love that. Like I've actually, it, it you know, kind of bring it back to Kia. I, I don't know who I was talking to and what car they compared it to, but I had said, I'm like, the Sorento is so easy to drive, right? Like it just, it, it was smooth. It was quiet. It was, it took corners. Well, it was just nice. Right. And he was like, Oh, I, I want to work when I'm behind the wheel. I want to, I want to feel like I'm one with the car. I want to, I don't want that easy feeling, you know? And I, I think he had a Camaro. I can't remember what he had, but again, that is, it's, it's super interesting that so many people buy or are attracted to a certain brand or a certain vehicle for the emotion and how it feels versus necessarily kind of what, what the price is or really what the horsepower is. I mean, women, I love this. Women could care less about what's under the hood, but you put them in a car that's got more horsepower and they feel the difference. They can, they can feel whatever it is behind the wheel. And often I hear women particularly say, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I like about this car. I don't know why I preferred, you know, I don't know why I preferred Honda over Toyota or Kia over Nissan. Like it just, there was something about it that felt good. And I think that's a huge, important piece of people that are getting into buy cars is that it, yeah, it fills you up with something. There's some emotional attachment or something, something that it brings you that it might not bring me or might not bring someone else. I love my Prius C because it's so good on fuel. I really do. (laughs) It's tiny. You can put it in your pocket. And there's something about a tiny little small car to run around in that I quite like. Um, Yeah. Um, but that being said, I've found myself to be craving the bigger go for a cruise, longer trip, comfortable car. Like I've avoided driving to Banff and Edmonton and all the places that are around me that I do like to go to because of the fact that I'm like, oh, if it's windy, it's blowing my car around and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so you kind of look at it that way and go, I mean, I might save 10 bucks in gas or five bucks in gas to go on that trip in my little car. So it's funny how it changes, right? Like it's the, the Prius is like an appliance. It serves me, (laughs) but it doesn't feed my heart. Right. And I love that. I love that. And that's so true. Cause I think that there are sometimes purchases that we make that don't feed our heart and they serve a purpose and they do what we need them to do. And that's, that's okay too. Oh, it's fun. I can't picture you driving in a Prius. I'll be honest. (laughs) Well, my head doesn't quite fit. So I have to turn a little bit. Um, well, which is funny. And my, my cars, let's, let's, before we wrap up here, let's do, so history of cars. Now it doesn't matter what car you have today, but I mean, cars that you've owned. I mean, I've owned an awful lot of cars. I've had a couple of Mercedes. Uh, they were nice, luxurious, not brand new ones. I've even had an old one. I had like a 92, um, yeah. C, C class that was big and nice to drive. Um, you know, they were all right. Mini Cooper. I had a 2007, um, manual and that thing was like a rocket, a pocket rocket. Uh, but then at the same time, I've also had Yukon Denali, um, FJ Denali, Cruiser, yeah. Tundra. I've had all those. T- FJ Cruiser, best vehicle I've ever owned, hands down. Which um, one, sorry? The FJ Toyota, FJ Cruiser. Interesting. There you go. Hands down. What about you? What's your favorite? My favorite car? Yeah. That is such a, that is, oh, the favorite car that I've owned. That you've owned, yeah. That's what we're talking about. Um, well, you know what's interesting? Um, my first car was something called a Pontiac J2000. I think that they made that for a couple of years, that that was my, my first car. Um, then I got into a Pontiac Sunfire. Oh, I had one of those. Which they don't make anymore, but it was my first brand new car. 
And this is where I actually kind of delved into cars because I remember going in because I liked how it looked. I mean, I was 20 something and it was my first new car. And I was like, oh, I, I just love how it looks. Mm-hmm. And the stupid salesperson, and I, I say this a little condescending and cheeky, but the, I mean, this was their job. I, I don't remember what the actual base model engine was, but he's like, oh, I, I think I wanted to get like power windows and doors at the time. And in order to do that, you had to get into the GT tram, which had a bigger engine. And to be honest, kind of at that time, I... I didn't know what that meant. Like, it was like, sure. Okay. Like whatever, whatever you think. And I got into the GT that had, again, however many more horsepower or whatever it was. And I was like, yep, this is, this is what I need. It looks good. It drives well. And it was as a girl, um, it was purple. <laughs> it was important to me. Did you have the wagon it. or did you have the sedan? I had or the, the sports sedan. Sports I had the sedan, yeah. Um, um, and you know, I had a I had a Honda Civic at one point in my life too. And you know what? I it, it's never a car I get excited about, but Honda. We all know Honda does cars well. They they always have. They they always you know for so long that's just what they do. And I mean that the Civic was it was a Honda Civic, right? I mean mm-hmm. it it. Oh God, I think I think we even replaced the engine and the transmission on it. I mean, I drove that thing for years and <laughs> just it it I loved it. Like I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. That's and amazing. I haven't had I haven't owned a vehicle in 15 years because of what I've been doing for work. Right. So you get them all the time. Right. Yeah. But if I had to go buy one tomorrow, it yeah, I don't know. I'm still hooked on that gladiator. The Miata, the MX5 wouldn't do much for me. <laughs> Well, it'd be fun to drive for you and one friend. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I know we'll probably talk about this later, but a couple of years ago, I bought my first travel trailer. I bought a 26 foot grand design travel trailer. And unfortunately, a Miata will not tow that. Well, so, it, it'll probably tow yeah. it. It just won't stop it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it would do either, but you know, <laughs> things, things change, life changes and you know. I love the conversation. Lacey Lee Elliott uh, here. Tell everybody the websites again, where they can find you on Instagram and find your uh, YouTube videos and all that. Yeah. So just check out Lacey Lee Elliott. Elliott's got two L's and two T's. My Instagram is LaceyLee.Elliott. So is my Facebook and my branding is the All Points Road Trip and really just telling stories of my life and the idea that life is like a road trip. And just sometimes you just got to go with the flow and figure it out. We've all been there. More stories to come at a future date. Lacey Lee, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. This is the Shift Podcast. Well, it's a very exciting time because he has uh, moved into a new place. It is his first show with us in this new place, and I would like to describe it for you um, just briefly. Ryan has faster internet, so his face is clear, and he's under a bed. Yep. That's it. It's a pretty so, small room. It's pretty tiny. I did manage to fit a TV behind me, which is pretty sweet. Um, yeah, but uh, I have a loft bed, which is a bunk bed without a bed underneath the top bunk. So I built my desk and workstation under here. And it, it's actually very comfortable. Uh, I got some lights up to make it a little bit more pleasant. Uh, however, my room is very small. So climbing up top on the bunk is a little awkward and uh, my head does hit the roof when I sit up 
But <laughs> Details. It's, it's comfy. It's a very comfy bed. I'm not complaining. I, I'm on my own. So you know what? It's a funny first place story. So one day when the millions of dollars are rolling in, yep. <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I can I can laugh about this. So June totally 2021, buddy. Yeah, June 2021. Yeah, let's, let's set a date. <laughs> let's get started with In Case You Missed It. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Ryan Osiris O'Donnell. Ding. Ding. Bong. Okay. All right. You guys ready for this? Because... Uh, I'm just going to apologize in advance. This might get um, a little awkward. So let's just get uh, into, yeah, ding. Let's just get into our, our tweet that we got to highlight. It's the tweet of the day. Okay. So I follow Patton Oswald on Twitter because he's hilarious and he's his funny. book... Uh, Silver Screen Fiend is an amazing look into the addiction of, of cinema. It's great. Anyway, check it out. I saw that he liked this tweet, and I read it, and the thread of this tweet is outstanding. So I'm going to take you through it. So this guy named uh, Duke Windsor tweets, I've been doing my parents' food shopping for them since March, and today it dawned on me that they go through a full can of whipped cream every week. They are in their 70s and 80s, and I am afraid to ask what the bleep is going on. Nice. Okay. Hmm. And the Twitter thread is kind of disgusting, and I love it. This 75-year-old woman responds, I'm 75. Mind your own damn business. We old folks can get up to whatever we want to get up to. Whipped cream nice. is fun at any age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Who are That's we? amazing. Exactly. But, but wait, but just like a cheeky bleep, this other person responds, ice cream topping, coffee topping, topping for pies, cakes, topping for pancakes, waffles, desserts. Not sure why you assume the worst when there's handfuls of regular food just for whipped cream. And then somebody responds, but what he is assuming isn't the worst. It would actually be great. Food or sex are both good. Like Maybe if you're not talking about your parents, but well, uh, if it's, and if it's your grandparents, like oh my god, but but at the same time, I mean, I'm not in my 70s or 80s, but I mean, I'm willing to do the fitness work today to you know keep the body healthier, live, use it or lose it, man. I don't want to lose it. Yeah, but I, I like that, I like like those creepy, creepy, like the creepy, like they're creepy to other people, but the couples, the old couples walking down the hallway at the old folks' home mm. with little you know pat on the tuchus there. Yeah, like hey, hey, baby, I love you. No, I mean to not to, I mean to your partner, not to a stranger. No, I mean, yeah, there you go. Like Thank you for wife, clarifying that. Yeah, but I like don't these do it tweets. to strangers. It gives us all hope for still having fun in our seventies and eighties. This woman says, "Sounds like you're blessed with some good genes. You'll still be baking and eating pie and drinking hot cocoa with big dollops of whipped cream." <laughs> oh man! Nice. Anyway, I'm happy for this guy's parents. And uh, I'm happy for this Twitter thread because it made me smile, especially when the 75 woman, 75 year old woman says, "I know what it's for." <laughs> nice. Delicious. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we have one more thing we have to highlight from the SNL because John Krasinski hosted, which was great, by the way. He's never hosted before, and he did an awesome job. But SNL decided to take a shot at Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Wow, Nicole Kidman's song 
for the HBO series Undoing, she sang it, and it's kind of weird and awkward. So what they decided to do for this bit is create a parody commercial channel that's called Now That's What I Call Theme Songs, sung by stars of the show. So it's basically adding lyrics to theme songs that don't have lyrics. So here's an example. Stars of your other favorite shows are now singing their theme songs on Now That's What I Call Theme Songs sung by the stars of the show. So enjoy this original theme song that was cut from the opening of Queen's Gambit. Chess and drugs and drugs and chess, girl playing chess, then doing drugs, then playing chess. Now when you see people playing chess, you'll know that they're on drugs. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Before you continue, I just wanted to mm-hmm. uh, make a small note about Queen's Gambit. If you look on Netflix or whatever, there's another show called Peaky Blinders. And after mm-hmm. Queen's Gambit went popular, they put the actress from Queen's Gambit on the cover of the Peaky Blinders thing just to market it, right? Smart. Well done. It's season five before she appears, if you want to get caught up. Just thought I could throw that out oh, there. Wow. She's not on the first four seasons, but she's on there eventually. I bet it did were. still boost numbers of people checking Tons. out that show. Though. Well, it made me do it. She's an incredible actress. Um, but the one we need to talk about is the one that John Krasinski was on. Because can you think of a, I don't know, of a, a classic TV show that John Krasinski was on that has a very recognizable theme song with no lyrics? I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, Matt. Is there a show that I'm missing here? Uh, yeah. What's that one that uh, where he's like a secret agent? <laughs> You know the one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the the workplace. Oh yes, that show. Scranton, 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 Scranton. That's where we all live and work. That's a calculator. There's Dwight. He's the bad guy, and the hero's name is Jim Highlighting. That's his girlfriend. That guy's on the phone, Ty Flip. Then there's me again. And Corel does the trophy thing, the office. <laughs> Jack Incredible. Ryan, you were thinking of, by the way. Yeah. He was totally sorry. I was really I really thought you were gonna get the office thing there. I should have set it up a bit more. But it was still funny, so I had no complaints. Yeah. One of my favorite um you know instances of somebody singing a, a theme song. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes from uh, this animated television show called The Simpsons, and um, oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah, and there's mm-hmm. this character on it, uh, Jasper, who's the old grizzled dude with the beard. Yeah, and uh, and he was doing an audition for this musical they were casting, and he, here's uh, here's his audition. From a summer place, from a summer place, the theme. From a summer place, <laughs> it's the theme. Next. Next. Uh, next. <laughs> Fantastic. Next story. <gasps> Look at that transition. Seamless. Okay. This is a story that Jason flagged that's very weird And when you think about it. Have you guys ever seen the movie Friday with Ice Cube and uh, uh, Chris Tucker? I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I hear that it's pretty awesome. It's a it is a cult classic kind of movie, and it's one of those movies that jump started Chris Tucker's career. Uh, he played Smokey in it. 
He's hilarious in it. And you would think this movie that is such a cult classic and a beloved film would be responsible for him getting some classic money as well. This movie is responsible for a very famous meme. But in a new episode of Shannon Sharp Shay Shay's series, yes, that is hard to say, Chris Tucker said he was only paid $10,000 for the part. Damn! Damn, exactly. That's the clip from, that's the meme from Friday. Now, but you know what? Here's the thing that actually makes me smile. Chris Tucker doesn't seem to have any bad feelings about making only 10K in that movie. How much you got? I got about $10,000 because the movie costs, they took, well, they got different stories, but it was either $2 million or $3 million to do. We only, I know we had 20 days because the director reminded me every day. We got 20 days, man, because you better not mess up. We only had two takes. We can only take two takes. That means, you know, I can only do my lines twice. If I mess right. up one time, you get one more time and that's it. We're going to cut your part. So I knew we, and we was on a street, one street the whole time. And then we went some stuff in the studio, little scenes in the studio, like bedroom scenes and like that. Right. But we, it was, it was that small of a movie, but the, that was the beauty of it because it, it allowed me to get into the character. It wasn't no big distractions, like big, big movie sets. You got light people and sound people. Oh, everybody want to be a star. But that movie was just a camera. And me and Cube on 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 the um, porch, and and you know, and then you know, magic came out of it. You know, damn, magic came out of it. It really did. And that movie is fantastic. He also reminisced about good memories from making that movie and uh, the lasting impact it would have on his career, and also getting a chance to work with Bernie Mac, who is uh, man, rest in peace. Bernie Mac is one of the funniest men who's ever walked the face of this earth. And uh, his work in that film is also spectacular. So there you go. Chris Tucker showing some uh, some humility and uh, some uh, wholesomeness. And uh, I would love a Rush Hour 4, you know? <laughs> Man, Rush Hour is a great, great movie. I love those. And uh, I, think it, I think we could kind of bring it back. They're bringing back everything now. Everything is getting remade or rebooted. Bring it back. Give me that again, but Jackie Chan has to be in it. That's the uh, yeah, well, that's the, the two of them are magic together. Exactly. Now this came up on Thursday at midnight, and then I went off to move into under my bed, so I didn't have a chance to talk about it. But that's okay because that's why this is called "In Case You Missed It." Because even I miss this because it has been thirty-six years since one of the greatest songs ever was made released it's sometimes called by some writers from the 80s as the stairway to heaven of the 1980s for the impact it had on genres and radio it's of course a smith song how else why else would i be talking about it yeah. and it is how soon is now That line is an anthem for so many people. I am human and I need to be loved. Man, 
But I thought I would tell you a little story because I hold in my hand right now a book called Songs That Saved Your Life, which is a book that I own that is a in-depth look at every single Smith song ever made, the process of writing it. And I want to read you a passage that's very interesting. I'm going to summarize it. But how did they record that song? It's very weird. The vibe of the song is interesting. Well, they turn on all their foot pedals at once so they could get that crazy feedback. It spawned from a demo that Johnny Marr put together called Swamp when he was trying to remake CCR's sound. He's only ever heard one CCR song in his life at this point. And he went, I like that. So he tried to remake it. But when they got in the studio, they started playing and they weren't feeling it. So they got super high, irrelevant, but they, you know, enjoyed their time. It was the 80s. But they asked the crew that built the studio to take out all the lights, replace them with stained red glass light bulbs. They locked themselves in and had red light on and just stayed in the studio for six hours and just played it until it sounded right. And that's how you make legendary music is just immerse yourself in it. And that you can feel that. So next time you hear that song, just like close your eyes. And imagine you're locked in a red room and then you have Morrissey screaming about being sad. It's great. It takes me into it every time. Amazing. Every time. 36 years of that song, which is crazy. And it is still such a classic. Can I ask the obvious question? Yes. Everybody who's not a Smiths fan right now, I can feel Mm -hmm. it in my heart, is going, Stairway to Heaven, really? But seriously, look, it... In a book, in this book, which I'm holding, oh, I lost the page. No, that's embarrassing. Oh. The start of the of that chapter on How Soon Is Now is on a writer from a British magazine at that time who said this is the stairway to heaven of this decade. So it's an interesting comparison. I'm not saying they're equal songs. What I am Plus saying is that it's a weird way, an interesting way to compare the two for impact and all that. That's what I'm getting I at. Don't, I get it. I don't mean to diminish, diminish your it. love for it. No, right? I, I don't mean not. to diminish it yep. at all. I'm just saying, anybody who's mm-hmm. not a Smiths fan is going, Stairway to Heaven. Come on, man. Well, those people don't matter. It's, <laughs> it's Ryan's segment. <laughs> I said, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> it is called In Case You Missed It with Ryan O'Donnell, not In Case You Missed It with Shane Hewitt. So mm-hmm. that's it. You're allowed to do that. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.